okay, so in a little bit, I need a helper. Is that all right? I need your help to work out what's in these boxes and get some things out. Can you do that for me? Okay, excellent. Okay. Um, okay, so. Um, oh, Matt's back there. Matt, you can do the thing, can't you? Can you put that scripture up? Anyone who loves me, this is Jesus, will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Um, so this morning, we're going to talk about moving house. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, yeah. And, and of course, when I talk about moving house, we're going to talk about moving house. But we're also going to talk about the day Jesus moved into your house, your life, your heart. Um, and we're going to talk about the day fear moved into my house. And we're going to kind of compare and contrast those things a little bit. Um, I've been on a little journey this last few months about what it means for Father Jesus and the Holy Spirit to make the home in me. Um, I think I said to you, I've, I read Henry Newman's book, The Return of the Prodigal. I read it once. Then I went away on a, a little retreat for a few days and read it again. I don't often read books twice, but this one just grabbed me by the heart and tugged me along. And I kind of read a little section in the morning and then spent, went for a long walk and just pondered in it and realized I saw myself as the younger son like I've never seen myself before and realized that I am very much like the younger son and the older son and hopefully I'm becoming like the father and um, so I saw all the ways that I leave home uh, when you realize that you're meant to be at home but we're going to talk about this more and more as the weeks come on this is a little introduction um, but that's where I'm at and we're going to tie in the whole thing about kings and priests as well because it's very difficult to be a priest if you're not at home and it's very difficult to be a king if you don't know where home is or what home looks like. Um, so we're going to tie those things together in the coming weeks and months. We'll see where we go. But when we talk about these things, it's really important you understand. I'm trying to help you see something that has already taken place. This has happened. It's already a truth. It's not, I'm helping you be, to, become a new, to, to come to a new awareness of a present reality. It's not something you have to ask for, wait for or something that depends on you doing anything other than expressing a love for Jesus. So once you've expressed a love for Jesus, that's it. He'll come and make his home with you. You can probably put it down there, Mark, if that's all right. It's not something you have to try and understand either. Uh, it's simply something you need to accept. We, we spend a lot of time trying to understand things, but actually spirituality, a proper mature spirituality, is much more about accepting things than it is about understanding things. Because you'll never understand it in your mind anyway. Uh, so it's about accepting it and going, okay. Uh, in, in truth, a journey into any deeper connection with Jesus is about a journey of accepting what he says is true. Uh, but according to these words, uh, as soon as you said you love Jesus, then Father Jesus and Holy Spirit came to you and made their home in you. So no matter how old you are, no matter your mental ability, the challenges you've been through, how much or little you know about Jesus, the Bible, the church, whatever, as soon as you decided to love Jesus, they all came and moved in. That was, he's moving in there. Do you know you're moving in there? Mine was when I was 13, sometime in about September. That was the day Jesus moved into my house. And he brought a lot of stuff with him. Because it's taken me many years to unpack the boxes. But he did bring a lot of stuff with him on that day. And those things have always been with me. Because when he moves in, he brings everything with him that's his. He doesn't move in slowly, he just moves in. And everything he has comes and moves into your life and it's all there. Now, the basic message about today is you have to learn to unpack the boxes that he brings with him. But we'll get there. And that's what we're going to do in a bit, Ariella, okay? 
So, if you've said yes to Jesus, Jesus has moved in. So has Jesus moved in? Okay, he's moved in. Fantastic. And of course, the truth that he's moved in is a truth. It's not a feeling. It's just a truth. So, a feeling is something you can lose and find and lose and get back again. And sometimes when we lose a feeling, a good feeling, we try and recreate conditions to try and make us feel it again. But a truth, of course, is different. A truth is just true, regardless of how I feel. And so again, mature spirituality and connecting with Jesus is based on truth, not feeling. Although at times, I may experience a feeling that agrees with the truth. But here's the thing. Jesus does not like leaving. It's very difficult to evict Jesus. He is a lodger who has a lot of rights. He's very easy, difficult to get rid of. Because once he's in, he's in. Because you can get rid of him, but to get rid of him, you have to kind of, um, what would we say, specifically, deliberately, and consciously tell him that you do not want to be in any part of your life. And if you do that, he will, because he's the gentleman, leave. But you've got to be very, very strong about that and mean it a lot before he leaves, because he loves living in you. Because a lot of us worry that he's left. We say things like, he's not here anymore. I can't feel him. No, I, listen, he's the most difficult lodger to leave. All right? He's there. He also loves being at home in you. He loves it. Just think about your favorite place, okay? Whatever your favorite place might be. Your favorite place. And think how much you love being in that favorite place for all the reasons there it is, whatever it is, whatever it might be. Just think about it. Okay, and you love being in that favorite place. Well, you are Jesus' favorite place. Your life is Jesus' favorite place to be. And my life is favorite place to be. He has a lot of favorite places. But in truth, he is. The, he loves being with you. He loves being at home in you. He enjoys it very, very much. He loves being in your area. He loves being at home in your heart. Okay, I want to explore this thought about Jesus moving in by comparing it to when Faye moved into my house after we got married. Uh, just on Wednesday, it was our 15th wedding anniversary. <laughs> She's done well, hasn't she? Uh, and uh, can you believe it? 15 years ago, we were studying this place, getting married. That's a, that feels like a long time. And it's been a wonderful time. But 15 years ago, uh, we said yes to each other. We publicly agreed together before God we were going to be together for the rest of our lives. And of course, before we got married, I had a house that the three boys and I lived in. And so after we got married, Faye moved in. And what was my house became our house, which brought a few challenges. And of course, even before she moved in, we made some changes and we did some things up and we decorated some places and got some new furniture and all that sort of stuff. Um, but when she moved in, things changed. And things have kept changing ever since that day in my house that became our house. My house used to be my house, and it ran how I wanted it to run and looked how I wanted it to look. But then Faye moved in. And she brought some things with her, and she made some suggestions. And I didn't always like those suggestions, or think they were possible. And sometimes we fell out over how we wanted the house to look. But over time, I came to say that she was actually really good at creating environments. And that her ideas were way better than my ideas. And that what she thought was possible was nearly always possible. There was always a way to make it happen. I came to see she has this brilliant gift of creating environments that are an utter delight to be in. Over time, my house has changed a lot. My house and proper Yorkshire, they are. It used to have one bathroom, now it's got two. It used to have one living room, now it's got two. 
It used to have three windows in the kitchen. Now it's got two because one got bricked up and it all got moved around and changed. and All, all sorts of stuff's gone on in my house. It's been completely transformed. And it was from the moment Faye moved in that my house got transformed because she brought a different picture and a different vision and a different sight and a different way of being. And she brought all these ideas as to how it could be. And it continues to change. Just, this, just now we've got a veg patch, haven't we, Samuel? Sam and Faye, we've got all sorts growing in our garden. We've got carrots and onions and broccoli and lettuce. And what else have we got, Sam? I don't know, peas, beetroot, all sorts. We've got a whole herb garden going on. It's amazing. Because you keep seeing new things. And I keep going, okay, Lord, yes, fine. I'll find a way to do that. And then we do, because God's good. And, and then I sit there and go, oh, this is so nice. And she goes, I wish you just said that three months ago. Because <laughs> we don't always see the finished article at the beginning, do we? We don't always see how beautiful it's going to be. We just see the hard work that's involved to get there. And I kind of go, okay, well, how much is that going to cost? And what's it going to take? And how much time is it going to be? And I... Because that's where I go. And that's why we're a good team, because between us it works. But of course, for those changes to take place in my house, we had to agree together about it. And I had to learn to see that what she saw, I often saw the difficult process of getting there. And she would see the end picture. So I would go, well, that's going to mean X, Y, Z. That's going to mean, you know, this veg patch, great. That's going to mean me and Sam lugging two tons of soil from the end of the drive. It's going to mean me. And then I went, but I actually love to do that. Why would I not do that? I enjoy being in the garden. I get to spend a couple of days with Sam just building this veg patch, teaching him how to do this stuff and putting up fence panels and gate posts. And we had a great time, didn't we? But you see, I saw often all the challenges. And she saw what it could be. A lot like Jesus, really. He comes in, moves in, sees what it could be like, and then we go, well, that's going to be a bit hard. I'm not sure I want to take that wall down. I'm not sure I want to do this, not sure I want to do that, not sure I want to do the other. But of course, he needs agreement to do anything with what's going on. But when Jesus moves in, he brings all sorts of new ideas, thoughts, changes, things that could happen, things that could be, ways life could be, ways we could live. And he also brings some boxes. Who's moved house recently? Steve's moved house recently. Samantha's moved house recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's great fun, isn't it? Packing everything up in a box, unpacking it all again. Here's the thing. Anybody got boxes in their house that are still unopened, even though they moved in a few years ago? Oh, okay, all right. How, how, you, when did you guys move in? Five years ago. Ten years ago. Paul? <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> That's fantastic. Some people, of course, move house. Then they move house again and move the same boxes they hadn't opened from the previous house and move, yay, we just done that. <laughs> 25 boxes of books that went from one house to another house and didn't even get opened. It's great fun, isn't it, moving house? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> 
Sorry, that's tickled me more than it should. <laughs> oh, dear me. Okay, <laughs> what am I talking about? Jesus moving house. Um, so, so when you move house, you pack everything up, put it all in boxes, and then you're going to move it somewhere. Just think, if you have moved house, Ariella, all those toys in your bedroom would have to be put in boxes and moved. All those teddies, all those toys. Someday we'd have to put them all in a box and then put them in a van and take them to a new house and then I'd have to unpack them all again. It's a lot of hard work, isn't it? Because I've seen your wardrobe and your toys and you've got a lot of jigsaws. So, you see, when Jesus moves in, which was a long time ago, because he's not moved out, remember, it's a bit like he brings boxes with him with all sorts of good things in them. But here's the thing. Jesus is a bit like Paul in that he's not very good at unpacking the boxes himself because he wants you to do it. He doesn't really unpack his own boxes. He puts them in there and they're in there but you have to unpack them. So shall we unpack some boxes? Come on then, sweetheart. I think we'll do the garage first. Okay, so this is the garage box. Now, I don't know whether you'll be able to. Can you reach in or not? Oh, oh, what's that? Spirit level. Spirit level, well done. We got spirit level. Okay, what else we got? Do you know what that is? Saw, yeah, I thought Daddy would have taught you what a saw was. Excellent. What else? We oh, here, 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 look, here. Let's do it this way to protect your modesty. There you go. You, you dive in there. What's in there? There, well done. Oh, don't get lost in there. What else is in there? Oh, yeah, a screwdriver. Fantastic. Is there anything else in there? Oh, go on then, in you get. Oh, what's that? A hammer. Fantastic. Is that everything? No, is there more? I didn't think I put more stuff in there. Oh, what's that? Is that everything? Yeah. Excellent. All right, you go sit down again, and then you can come down with this box in a minute. Thank you. You see, the one of the boxes Jesus brings with him is all the tools you need to transform your life. Everything that you need to be able to change it down, he gives you. And of course, he has a brilliant vision for your life, but the parts of it that need taken apart so it can be made new. One of Faye's ideas was to do one of our cellars and turn it into a room we could use. Have you got that picture there, Matt? So this is our cellar where it started. Uh, this is about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago now. And the black stuff on the walls was the previous owner's attempt to stop the damp coming through. Attempt being the right word, because uh, it failed miserably. But in order for me to put some proper stuff on the walls to stop the damp coming through, I first had to get all that black stuff off. And that black stuff took me 60 hours to get off. Because the only way it would come off would get this, this like machine that had these nine metal pins in that like vibrated all the time. And you'd just be like... And if you didn't clean the walls properly and get it all off and get it back to the brick, then the stuff I was going to put on wouldn't stick and it wouldn't work. 
So I spent 60 hours in that cell just clearing off the black stuff off the walls before I could even start putting anything back on. Which is a great analogy for how Jesus does it. Because he takes a long time. He takes a long time to clean back the walls to a place where some good stuff can be applied so it can stick. You see, the problem is, I can stand there and I, as well, I can say all sorts of stuff about your holy ones and your this and your that and the other. But it's a bit like if you haven't first cleaned up all the stuff off those walls, it just hits it and falls off. And so the real, the real task of the Christian faith is to first of all deal with all the stuff that's stuck on the walls of your heart that stops the other stuff sticking. But that can take a while. And it can be a slow, painful process in the dark, on your own, with just one light. I mean, I quite enjoy it because I'm an introvert. But there you go. But <laughs> it's like quite nice to be selling on my own, put some music on, I'll do it myself. I mean, eventually I got a bit bored and I did end up with like repetitive strain injury in my arm because I didn't read the thing that said, don't do it for two hours, I was there like six hours. Ugh. And I put a finger and I'd be like, Ugh. just kept going even though I put the machine down. But the point, the point is that it takes a long time. And that's all right. Most of us beat ourselves up all the time. I'm, I'm really, all the time I hear, but I shouldn't be here now. I should have done this. I shouldn't be doing this after this long. I shouldn't be dealing with this after 10 years. I shouldn't be still in this place. Why? Why not? Who says? Where's the rule book that says after this long you should be here? Where is it? Where does that thought come from? It's nowhere. It takes a long time if you're going to clear it off completely so the good stuff can stick. So first of all, it gives us some tools. And of course, once I've done that, I can, uh, I can build something new and create a whole new environment that I can enjoy. But then he has another box, Ariella. Come and see what's in the kitchen box. You have to rip it open. Go and pull that bit of tape off. Pull it off there, sweetie. Good girl. Okay, now this one, can you see? They're stuck to the inside. So I need you to pull them off. And do you think we could try and read them? I think you could. All right. Shall we give you the microphone? You can read them out to everybody. Don't show them because that's cheating. You read them out. Go on. Go on. What's that say? Grapes. Good girl. Let's have another one. We've got grapes. What's that going to say? Oh, don't, don't show them. That's cheap. Peace. Peace. What else we got? That one. Mercy. Well done. Grab another one. What else we got here? Oh, I like this one. Oh, I, I bet that if we asked these adults, they would not guess what this word is. Let's leave that one till last. Because yeah. I don't think when people think about Jesus, they think about that word. Love. Oh, clever girl. Well done. Fantastic. What else we got on there? Well, let's leave that one. That's the last one. Yeah, we're going to surprise him with that one. What else was there? Joy. Well done. And that one. Goodness. Well done. The last one. Do you know what that says? Fun. Yay! Well 
done. Fun. Okay, so we've got fun, mercy, goodness, joy, love, peace, and grace. Fantastic. Thank you, sweetheart. You're fine. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for helping. That's who he is, among many other things. I mentioned fun in particular because um, last Sunday night we were down here and just spending some time with Jesus. And um, Karen was encouraged us to just kind of imagine being with Jesus and, and being with the Father and, and asking what game he wanted to play, which I just thought, oh, that's new, that's interesting. And um, anyway, so this, I'm going to tell you what happened to me, because it was just, I, I thought it was fantastic. Um, so I was sat kind of down there at the back, and, and, and Karen said, okay, just see where you think Jesus might be in the room. And I, I thought, okay, I think he's up on the balcony, kind of watching everybody. And then she went, okay, find out, ask him, like, are you meant to go at him? Is he meant to come at you? And, and I, I don't know whether she meant, like, in my imagination, but I felt like I had to literally go and be where he was. So I went and sat on that chair up there. Now that chair, and the, the same with the big circular ones, used to be in my lounge. So I sat on that chair, uh, facing towards here, and I just felt like Jesus was sat with me, and I just kind of nestled my head on his shoulder. It was all very nice. And, and then Karen said, um, ask him where Father is. And Jesus, in this cheeky voice, I felt like he was really cheeky. He just went, he's behind you. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I spun around, and I thought, oh, all right. And the, the other chair was directly behind me. All right. And so I'm sat in this chair, feeling like Jesus is here, Father's there, and I'm like, and then she said, well, what game do you want to play? And immediately, the Father said, spinny chairs. <laughs> and I tried not to laugh so hard that I disturbed everybody else. <laughs> because spinny chairs is a game we used to play in our house with those chairs, and you would each sit on the chair, and the idea was to kick the other kick the other person's chair to spin around and you're lost if they spun around and you stayed there. So we played this with the kids and sometimes we played it with the youth group as well. And anyways, it was great fun. I've not laughed that hard in a long time. And I've not really thought that that's the sort of thing that God might want to spend time doing. But it seems he did. And I laughed and laughed. and Well, I was kind of like, because <laughs> I was really trying not to go. Because <laughs> everybody else seemed to be not having as much fun as me. Um, so, and I, I didn't want them to feel jealous. So, <laughs> But you see, where did that fun come from? Where did it come from? Well, it came from him because he's inside me. But I had it all along. The point is I had it all along. That, it didn't just, I didn't just have a moment where the Holy Ghost fell on me and suddenly I was full of fun. No, I just became aware of a God who was fun and gave him some space to have fun with. I just became aware of it. And so, so again, all this stuff, there is a box in your heart that's got kitchen on it that's got all the ingredients for everything you need. It's already there. And there's peace and grace and love and joy and fun and mercy and goodness and laughter and peace. There's everything, absolutely everything. And the task of feeling at home 
is to become more and more aware of that as an actual reality. Because one of the ways that I'm learned to do that is the more time I give to that, the more I become aware of it and the more I enjoy it. But of course, what many of us do is, we think, if we're going to sit with Jesus, we, we go a bit like I used to be when Faye showed me something in the other days. Well, say early days, that's probably a bit... <laughs> anyways, I've got better. But anyways, so we, we kind of go... Well, if I sit with him, he's probably going to point out to me what I need to change and what I need to get right and what, what walls I need to tear down. And I don't really know if I can cope with that. What if he just wants to play spinny chairs with you? Huh? What if he just wants to tell you jokes? What if he just wants to enjoy? Okay, some of you are looking a bit religious right now. Come on, just, it's okay. This is Jesus. Okay. And you might go, ah. Oh. Listen, it was my lived experience that were true and it was fantastic. And I have no doubt that it was Jesus. Now, that might not be your experience yet. But, hey, I have also spent over a decade clearing off all the black stuff off the walls of my heart so now I can enjoy him. And I'm still doing that, but most of it's clear now, I think. Although he always keeps showing me other bits. But, hey, and of course, that took a long, long time. And so your task, really... Is, is, you don't have to find joy. You don't have to find peace. You don't have to find love. You've got to learn how to access it. You've already got it. It's already, it, the day you moved in, you brought it all. There is an unlimited river of joy and peace and grace and goodness flowing out of your heart. It's already there. The challenge for you is to access it more and more. That's the challenge more and more, is to learn to access it and to see it and become aware of it. So, so despite all the stuff that goes on outside, you can be at peace because peace lives within you. There is a peace beyond understanding inside every person who loves Jesus because he's made his home in you. So you don't have to try and seek it out. The issue, though, is that perhaps your peace is tucked away in a box in the loft behind a load of other boxes, as it were. I mean, so it's there. It's just out of sight and it's out of mind because it's in the back room or it's in the storeroom or it's shoved in the cupboard behind the string and the batteries somewhere. But it is there. No matter how old you are, no matter your mental ability, no matter the challenges you've been through, no matter how much or little you know about Jesus or the Bible or the church, as soon as you decided to love Jesus, with the love he already put in your heart, he came and made his home in you. The day you said yes to Jesus is the day you moved into your heart and your life, which means you have the tools and the ingredients you need to be like him. That's why when we say you've got everything, that's what I mean. When I say you've got everything I need, that's what I mean. Because Jesus has made his home in you. And he has everything. So therefore you've got everything you need. Whether you're accessing that or not, that's all the ballgame. But that's what it means to learn to love Jesus. To learn to use him and accept him and love him. Okay. This is what I want us to be because, and this, this thing I think increasingly is, I mean, I've been saying this stuff for 15 years, but if we don't learn to be more at home, it is going to get increasingly challenging to feel stable. It's going to get increasingly challenging to feel stable. Because more and more and more, we are going to need to know 
that he's at home in us and we're at home in him. And we're going to need to access this stuff more and more. A, because otherwise you will be rocked more and more by what you hear and see. But also you will be unable to fulfill your calling as a king and a priest. Because you can't be a king if you don't know where home is. If you don't know that you live in a palace, then how can you meet the needs of people around you? And if you don't know that you're at home, how can you absorb what goes on around you as a priest? How can you offer sacrifice? Because all you'll do is scream about the cost. But if you know you're at home, then it'll be okay. So it's really important that we learn more and more what it means to be at home. Karen, do you want to share that dream with us? I'll share a little bit about that. Because I think it's really important. And then... Could you just go tell them to come back up? Because I want to finish with communion. Okay. I had a dream last night that was... Um, there were different parts to it. Um, but first I'd like you to do what Adam just said and actually just lean back into Jesus and sit in him. I don't want you to hear it with your mind. I want you to hear it with your spirit. So just remember who you are and where you're at home and sit in it. Because the things we see, if you see it in your soul realm, then you operate on the same level as this world does. That's not where we are. So we, we are seated with Christ in him in heavenly places. So there, which is here inside of you, just sit in your comfy chair within you, maybe close your eyes and breathe, and just relax and be there, it's not going there, it's like you remember and become aware, and that's when uh, your soul begins to experience and feel it. first part of that dream I was in a building quite a big house and there was a gathering a group of people I knew only one person she she's a Christian so it might have been a Christian gathering anyway we were we spent a few days together and um, were sharing about the projects we were busy with like we were, we were just sharing life and sharing what we were doing. Um, I became aware of a problem. I became aware that um, of that topic um, that there was a pedophile among us. And I observed um, policemen. I became aware of that some people there were police. And no one knew about it because they were trying to find out who that person was. And I was just observing it and watching that 
this setting. We then, um, so that was like kind of the background information I had. We then um, gathered in a big um, room, like a lounge, as we used to do when we had spent time together. Um, brought some chairs over. And I looked around and I looked at the person and I knew that it was that guy. And I had um, so that group we had been sharing, so we knew that um, we actually were admiring this guy because he dropped everything in his life to join his sister who run a project that cares about children. And we all thought, wow, amazing. He just, you know, spends his life, everything, to help his sister to care about his children. But I could see it was that my man the police was looking for, that he was abusing kids. I saw him. I, could, I would recognize this person if I saw him again somewhere on the street. I saw his face so clearly. And I had a glimpse of what I call like his inner child and the pain within him. So I could see his own pain and I knew this evening as we are sitting together now, the police will come and arrest him. He's going to be revealed. I saw his pain and I saw what shock it would be for the people around because no one knew. So I knew there would be a lot of pain. I then had a, saw another scene. I was in Switzerland driving in a place I knew past the house and I saw people outside in the garden and they were, they were drinking in the garden. It wasn't a restaurant, it wasn't a pub, it was a private place. But it looked a bit like a pub because everybody sat outside drinking. And I passed that place twice and they were still drinking, like a lot. And I saw their faces, and particularly one woman. And it, you could hardly see the features of that face because it was so, it just looked so weird. That person was so in pain. It was just horrid to see that person and she was trying to drink and drink and drink and it looked like she's trying to drink that much just to kill herself because she can't bear the pain. She wants to kill herself. They were, they were screaming inside of pain. And then I came across my family, my dad, my mom, my sister. They came just back from a holiday. And I asked um, if I could join them for dinner to have a fondue, like that cheese fondue, that tr traditional dish. It's, by the way, not something we have every day or every week. <laughs> so, and they said, oh, yeah, that's fine. Um, there will be enough. My sister said, um, I won't be able to eat. I'm not going to eat anything. I feel sick in my stomach. I feel really sick. She's a kindergarten teacher. 
so what I understood from that was, you know, many of us are on holiday. That's a place where you're not in your daily life. You're kind of outside of reality. You're not fully in reality. So my family has just arrived back home. It's like waking up, going to face reality. My sister felt sick. She's a kindergarten teacher, so she must have heard and seen a few things as they came back to reality. When I saw that man and knew what he's done, and I had that glimpse of the pain within him, I had a glimpse of how God sees because he sees the bigger picture. So we are in a time where, you know, we want the light, but the light shines into darkness and things get revealed. And all the stuff that's been done to children all over the world, that's, that's just the beginning. So we will have to face things that will be so painful. And I know it's been said from this platform before, which is also why we need to know where our soul is rooted, where we live, where our home is. So we need to see it from that place. If we don't see it from that place, we will judge. We will be so arrogant to take God's place and judge people. That's not our job. It's not the job of a priest to judge. It's the job of a priest to spend time with God, with his heart. And, you know, like Jesus asked his disciples, can't you spend an hour with me in prayer? Well, this time your prayers might be just tears. Just be that pain and sadness and feel what he feels. Because he shares his heart with his priests. So we're going to see a lot of things and it will shock us how close they come. So it won't be just somewhere there or in another nation. It will be people we know, we admired. If we don't look at these things from that place of knowing who we are and just respond in, you know, there is that, sometimes there's that reaction inside of us that, oh no, that can't be true, that's not real, I don't want to see it, it's like I don't want to face reality, therefore it's not real. Well, it is, it's not about you deciding what's true and real, it's about you deciding I'm going to face it or not, or like choosing, I live in reality and not in deception or just in a idea of a world that's not real. So there is that, sometimes there is that pride in us and it is, it is pride and arrogance. I don't want to see it. There's another pride and arrogance at the other end of that scale that we do see things, but then we feel horrible in terms of um, it does somehow connect with a 
um, martyr syndrome. And it, it hooks into our own pain that hasn't been healed. So then we think, oh, I see all these horrible things happening and they're real and it's, it's really bad. And so I can't have any joy. I can't have any peace. I can't have, you know. Well, you're not Jesus. He carried all these things. And the kingdom is righteousness, peace and joy and all these things. It's just him. That's the kingdom. If we manifest anything else, we don't manifest the kingdom. So we're in a time where we need to know where we are at home. It's like our soul is then rooted, anchored behind the veil in the Holy of Holies. We know where we are, a safe place. And that from there we look. We don't dare to judge. We just see reality. We weep. We love. Despite anything, we just keep loving. And we keep holding out our hearts to be healed. And as we're doing that, we choose humility. We humble ourselves. We just go low. We go really low. If we don't do that, we operate in the spirit of pride, which is the same spirit that's operating in the world. And that's not who we want to partner with, is it? So we choose. We just choose. It's not a big deal. We just go low. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's just a choice because we love him. So we sit at his feet. He reminds us who we are. And from there we see and we dare to look. It says, arise and shine. Arise and shine. Arise and shine. But it also says, behold, darkness covers the world, the nations. Behold, don't ignore it. Behold, look. That's part of your arising and shining. It's part of the light. Let's take communion together. If you musicians, you could just come back. Let's just let's just stare into the flame. If somebody could uh, distribute communion, that would be amazing. Thank you.
One of the reasons we do this is to remember. As we take it this morning, I want us to specifically remember and thank him that he's at home in us. The whole point of eating and drinking and actually ingesting and swallowing is this point that you are reminding yourself that he is a part of you and that he is in you. He is not external from you. So it's just a moment to remind yourself, okay, now he's in me. He's at home. And all those boxes of goodness and goodies are all available within me. Just as we sing as well, I want you to... I want you to just think about what Karen shared and think about your response and reaction even to that story, even to the dream that she shared and how you reacted at different points as she shared it. Because how you reacted tells you something about you. How you reacted to what she shared tells you something. <coughs> and if we are going to be at home, you, you can't be at home and have pride in your heart. But you can't be at home and have a Marx syndrome in your heart either. And so maybe maybe in order to feel more at home we have to give that up a little bit well just give it all up really so just as just as we sing this song about incense arising again just respond as you, you eat and drink whenever you want to in whatever way you want to but use these few moments before we finish to just respond in whatever way is helpful to what's been shared this morning